Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here with you on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of the cannabis and hemp industry from the perspective and the eyes of the entrepreneurs and change makers who are pushing this incredible industry forward. If you're somebody looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results that you're looking for, go ahead and check us out at medicalsecrets.com. We are happy to help. And if you are an entrepreneur looking for tools, tips, tricks, resources, or relationships that you can use to build and grow a successful business in this space, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We have many things up our sleeves that can benefit you. Today, you guys, I am super excited to bring yet another incredible entrepreneur. Actually, there's a pair of them, but you'll only be able to see one of them on video today. Our guest is a full-fledged alien, lover of all things cannabis-related, a fellow among fuzzy creatures, and partner to a fierce woman who is also embarking a lot of those things. Their focus has been building and growing an incredible company who never fails to make an, to make a massive impact in their community for the people and patients that they are serving with the products that they are creating. Help me welcome to our show today to tell a little bit more about his story and what they have come through, the trials and tribulations that they have overcome to operate their business in today's marketplace. Help me welcome our good friend, Brandon Henry. How's it going? Thank you so much, Sonia, for that fantastic introduction. I don't think anyone's ever been so uh, elo- eloquent when they've been uh, introducing me. So, you know, I feel flattered. Well, good. I, this is a great way to kick off the show. Happy New Year to you. Happy to be here with you today. Why don't you quick and dirty tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you ended up in the can of boom. Wow. A lot of awesome keywords there and catchphrases. Um, I sort of, uh, you know, for, for me, I guess my story is a lot in uh, in retrospect of the experiences that have, uh, you know, that have just transgressed throughout my life. You know, uh, whether it's been in the body art industry, uh, you know, the instant gratification of, of helping people and seeing that smile on their face when you provide a, a service to the end user, um, and I guess uh, some of my experiences led me to areas to to learn more about how money moves, right? So while I was following passions in the body art industry, um, I ended up in Las Vegas and I ended up figuring out how uh, those systems work, you know, getting to um, serve uh, people with millions and millions of dollars that were coming there for either a short short experience, uh, a business adventure, uh, they were participating in conventions, you know, nightlife, whatever it was. Um, I got to sort of see how people who have money spend money. Um, and then people who have money plan to make more money um, and sort of just got to see how the whole racket works. And uh, funny enough, towards my end of the, that journey, you know, I met Callie and, you know, our worlds collided and 
um, I think moving forward with her at 32 years old, I was at the time, um, what happened was that I was looking for somebody that I could uh, build something with, um, something that had stability and longevity. And we, we both looked towards the things that uh, were positive in our lives. And uh, we decided that if we were going to be together and if we were going to build something together, um, we wanted it to be something that benefited people, uh, benefited the communities um, that we were a part of on a daily basis, and really just wanted to take what we had put in our life experiences together and, and be able to sell it or provide it to the end user, um, you know, with the utmost transparency. And so we stumbled on cannabis, not stumbled on, we <laughs> sort of just, you know, went through the list, you know, okay, well, we could build t-shirt companies, apparel companies, you know, we've got the connections to do that. We looked at, you know, what our budget was for the amount of cannabis we consumed um, <laughs> in pursuit of these other passions. Um, and we said, you know what, I think there's a better way to do this. You know, there's a better way to take the evolution of the industry and where it stands today and get involved with people to better educate them on sort of what the process is. You know, uh, so much is left to be said about, you know, you showing up to a store. Uh, Walmart, Amazon, or any of these other big manufacturers, big box stores, um, and you know you pay the price. You know you don't even question. You know you don't even question when hand lotion or any of these other things cost a certain amount of money. You know you don't worry about where they get their vitamin E from or any these uh, these other things. And the medical industry has long sort of built its back on the, the regulations. You know, and then the people that had to fight to get those regulations in place just so that they could even deliver something. Uh, you know, as wholesome as cannabis to somebody, to an end user. So we just looked at the entire system and said, you know, that there's a, there's a better way to build this mousetrap. You know, there's a better way to, to lead somebody to information. There's a better way to get people involved in uh, their own particular health and being conscious about uh, what's going on in their life and what they're consuming, and uh, especially when it comes to cannabis because of the positivity and the positive impact it can have on any one given user, depending on what their application is. So, I mean, I guess in, you know, what I do is I look at systems and I try to build them a little bit better. Um, I'm really, really good at integration, really, really comfortable in chaos. And if the cannabis industry is anything, it's chaotic. So sort of feel right at home. <laughs> well, first of all, you're really fortunate that you found a Betty to run the gauntlet with you. Um, I love coupled owned businesses. They add an extra layer of flavor to the cake. Sometimes it's an onion, sometimes it's a cake. <laughs> I've worked with my husband who's been my best friend. Well, not my best friend, but like a, a figure in my life, a big, whether he was like a big brother or like a, you know, total buddy. Um, he's 10 years older than me and was friends with my parents. And so I spent a lot of time with him as a young person, as a 14 year old kid, I was like, dad going to my friend's house to borrow his truck to go to a you know fucking reggae festival for five days with a <laughs> with an ounce of chronic so um don't worry about me i'll be back in a week so <laughs> and that was his house so i'm just ready to get turned up over here so. yeah get turned up um so anyways it was it was really cool because that's where i got my first sort of taste of entrepreneurialism was working with um my now husband's lotion company topical company um he was in business with his previous wife and now we are we've been in business together for almost 20 years so it definitely adds another layer of interest to the already 
um, challenging but extremely exciting industry. Um, I'd love you're being in Las Vegas. That is a landscape that I mean, I could literally. I spent two weeks there recently. I was done with Vegas, but I wasn't done with the cannabis scene. Like you cannot even make it to every dispensary in Las Vegas in two weeks if you tried. There are so many, there's so much to see because in Vegas, everything is like huge and it's, it's all about size and, you know, it's just, it's just nuts. I went around and to really spend any quality time in the dispensaries or the CBD stores or, you know, trying to get, trying to get a real perspective of what the landscape is looking like out there was pretty challenging. Um, are you working on both the THC and the CBD side or just one or the other? So currently in the state of Pennsylvania, we operate in an industrial hemp research pilot program. Okay. Non-commercial permit. Um, it's a research permit, which we've chosen eight of eight objectives Objectives on the, the state pilot, you know, seed certification, mm-hmm. the market, uh, the different genetic varieties, a bunch of different objectives. Um, currently at this point in time, we are interested in one particular license in Nevada. And uh, we've been talking back and forth about whether or not it's going to get sold or um, if it's going to stay in the in the company or anything like that, it's tied to a building and a lot of information, you know, about whether or not I'm going to continue on um, the medicinal side or the recreational side. Um, especially given that you know some of my early entries into the space in Las Vegas have to do with recreational licensing and medicinal licensing. Um, currently, I don't see an end to the to the loop in the in the in the medicinal system and the recreational system until full legalization occurs or until adult use is, is nationwide. Um, much like a lot of industries, you know, the discussion of the barrier for entry, um, whether it's for uh, minorities or those, you know, suffering injustices from the war on drugs, it's, it's hard to explain that it takes $10,000 a month, you know, to retain an attorney for the length of time before the state even, op- even opens up applications just to make sure yeah. that 500 pages ready to go. And you got to be ahead of that curve six months. So if you're not in the market predominantly ahead of time, you know, there's no, there's no room for you come time that the licenses go up. And so I, th- I think it's, I think it's going to be really, really hard to, to counterbalance um, some new legislation with some old, you know, ways and have the end user understand that barrier for entry is always going to exist because it has to do with the risk and the accountability that you personally are willing to take in order to get into the space in order to really truly put yourself in position to help the end user and profit from it because there's profit to be had for sure, but not without you making sure that your, your plan is in place and you're trying to move backwards from the, from the results or from the end result of helping, you know, the user, because it's sort of like a political thing if you think about it you know you have 100 dispensaries 200 dispensaries and everyone's got really great product and everybody's growing or purchasing from top tier growers but what's not happening is those growers and those dispensaries aren't sharing their knowledge of their database of their users or collectively throwing you know uh, conventions or parties together with each other to explain the cost of doing business so that um, you know when mold shows up in someone's batch that a different dispensary doesn't take that as an end advantageous thing and jack up their prices on the same strain that they know that they have a limited supply of. There's just a lot of rackets and internal things going on in the industry that are a lot more negative than they should be. So at this present point in time, I see myself and Cali moving forward um, in states that have uh, research permits available, 
um, only research permits, non-commercial permits. You know, we're interested in figuring out how to get a quality product to the end user at an affordable price while explaining the process and what it costs to do business in the cannabis space. You know, CBD alone, the raw material cost has dropped. You know, it's five, it's 10% of what it was last year. I don't know why that's not reflected in prices when it comes to the end user. I don't know why that's, you know, not being explained by some of the bigger players in the, in the business that, you know, are making millions of dollars, um, not explaining it. So. Yeah, it's frustrating. I, I recognize that exact same thing. And a lot of what I'm doing in the industry is creating accountability internally. I think a lot of folks in this space have a um, skewed mentality. When the, the school of hard knocks that I come from is a very collaborative farm type environment and culture, you know, where the people of the hills, they come together to talk about, you know, what's happening in the soil and what's happening in the water and what's happening with the phenos and, you know, the person who's sourcing the clones and or managing clones and genetics, you know, and supplying to everybody you know, can give a lot of history about the plant and the people who are, you know, cultivating can give a lot of history about the, you know, the growth process and the ones who are distributing. I mean, it's a very collaborative ecosystem in order to ensure the success of everyone's farm and everyone makes money. This, the, this new age, you know, culture of cannabis has certainly eliminated that, those collaborative efforts in a lot of cases and made, you know, every man for themselves type culture. And it's pretty disturbing for me because at the end of the day, the end user is the one that everyone's relying on to build a profitable business. Right. And everyone's, I really like, and I'll come back to it in a second. I really like how you talked about the, um, the frame of mind that you had when you were thinking about getting into the industry and what was your, you know, what were the key considerations and the way that you described the importance of making an impact was pretty unique. I can definitely sense that um, sincere passion where a lot of other brands that I've spoken to have somewhat of a staged passion about it. Like they feel like it's necessary to say, you know, like, oh, I want to make this massive impact in the world and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, what is your, you know, social contribution plan? What is, you know, like, I'm trying to make a hundred million dollars. Don't ever sleep on the fact that if the game was about (laughs) bottle caps, I'd be out there trying to get myself some fucking bottle caps. (laughs) The idea is that money makes the world go around. Mm -hmm. So for me to feel comfortable about the way I'm making money, I know that it has to be about something more than me. If I make $100 million and I do it in a non-egregious fashion and I really, really put my heart forward and I make sure that the way people react to uh, how we're doing business is the same uh, feeling I got when I was you know, in the piercing and tattoo industry and that same gratification of the end user. If that's still there, because that's what fills me up, if that's there, then I'm not, I know I'm not doing anything wrong. And so there's that, there, there's that thing in life where being selfish isn't a bad thing. It's when you're selfish and you're negatively affecting everybody's life and you don't give a shit. This is yeah. selfish and making sure that, look, you're not negatively affecting everyone, anyone. You're helping them. And if somebody misinterprets what your message is, they can go fuck themselves. Because <laughs> I don't have time for that. You know, I need to hold your hand and show you how to wake up every day and, and get to work following whatever dream it is that you've got. You know, I've had these dreams since I was 14 years old. And the only reason why I'm here today is because I put myself here. 
the only reason why I'm here talking to you today is because you saw something in what we do and you reached out and we decided it was a match. There's no excuses for anything. There's no, I mean, I make them. Everybody makes excuses. I make excuses. Oh, get out of bed at nine o'clock. I should have got out at seven o'clock. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. No big deal. I'll catch up later. I'll stay a little bit later at work. That's an excuse. You know, I, I'm a little more tired now because I just stayed late last night. Those are excuses, but I made all of those things happen. I made all those things possible. So there's either a point where you're accountable for all, every transgression, whether negative or positive, or you're just going to walk through life wondering why the fuck you are getting knocked inside the head by it. So here I am doing what I know how to do best, which is putting the groundwork in to have conversations like this with people like you um, so that the message gets heard by more people. You know, because that's, that's an important thing. I love the emphasis on research. I think that, that that's definitely something that I have not heard. I talk a lot about like, what's the plan? What's the, you know, what is your guys's business plan? How are you going to expand? You know, how do you compete in a marketplace that where brands are being released by the dozens every single day? Everyone wants to come in. Everyone's creating a Me Too product. I have dozens, literally dozens of samples that are sent to me on a regular basis. And I'm vetting through all of them. <laughs> I'm vetting through all of them all the time. And, you know, I, at the, today was the first time that I've heard in a very long time, unless I'm speaking to somebody who's more scientifically oriented, that today's the first time that I've heard a business owner saying, we're not really interested in being in the rec or medical space. We want to be, um, you know, ahead of the curve and following the research um, that's really super interesting to me. I'm very, very uh, involved with research. We have a super strong medical refugee community here in Colorado and in California. A lot of people who have been moving into our states for a long time because they can't get safe access. And my whole journey with cannabis and being an advocate for it starts by being a patient whose rights were violated in California as a patient and had to, you know, go through a three-year pretty rigorous um, legal battle where I was treated like a narcotic, you know, user and addict. And it, it was $20,000 in fines and about, I don't know, 25 hours a week in rehab for three years for being, for being caught with cannabis in the wrong county, even though I was a registered patient. After all of that, you know, I... I have, I have like so drawn to being able to um, share the truth about cannabis so people can really understand the medicinal properties. And I don't think that there's enough emphasis on that. And the cannabis and hemp community have a lot of power into being able to contribute to how this science is unfolding. Whether or not we get you know, public funding or not, we are capable of privately funding or supporting the research and development side of this industry so that we can be in business for a long time. What is your guys's main focus? I want to talk about your products first and how that trickles down to the very beginning, which starts with the research and quality of the, you know, of the product that you start with. So a lot of the things we do happen by chance. Oh. And it's, um, my job to either integrate or abandon, right? Put it in the parking lot. Um, so when we first got into this space, you know, we were involved with a company through white labeling, right? Uh, actually, not even white labeling. We were just selling their product for them. We were, uh, we actually were approached by someone. Yeah, we were approached by somebody in, in Texas um, who was interested in using what we were putting in place as an accelerator platform 
um, mm-hmm. to help other entrepreneurs enter the space, right? Mm-hmm. So his goal was to help give a thousand entrepreneurs a $1 million annual recurring revenue in the space. And whenever push comes to shove, we go back and forth. I'm looking for more answers because I'm a completely transparent person. Um, and I'm not getting all the answers and I can't figure out why. So as good as I am with figuring out how rackets are woven and how spikes, you know, how, how spokes are put on wheels, um, I basically told him to go fuck himself. And look, I can, this is really easy to do by your seat. You're a suit. You exited a, a company in a completely different business. You have no business in this business. I see what you're trying to do here. Um, mm. I got a little bit upset, but at the same time, I used the you know, being a little upset as motivation. And the funny thing is, is even knowing that that moment exists, um, you know, there's a possibility to turn it into a positive, right? I, don't, I wish no ill will on him, his family, or anything that he does, anything that he puts together, and anyone that he can successfully help do what it is he helped set out to do. Um, I think he would be wildly successful doing so, just like he was before. But for myself and Callie, I saw it as a reason to take our passions in the choices we were making and the risks we were willing to take by going to Texas, visiting people, going to North Carolina, visiting people, Louisiana, Texas, uh, Kansas, Iowa, all these other places that we're going to visit people, making personal deliveries, products that weren't ours, just to see really what the stories were from those individuals. It led us to, to know that our networks were what were going what was going to be able to connect, and that's what was going to be able to sustain the growth of what it is that we asked for. Um, and that's really what it is, Sonia. It's <clears throat> it's putting a plan in place and it's asking for it, right? It's it's. For me personally, being able to sit down and look at 400 possible futures, depending on you know what's going on, what I do in this instance, what happens in this instance, and working backwards from them and just saying, you know what, okay, this is what I have to do today because if I don't do this, then this doesn't happen. Boom, all right, I'm on this path. This is the path I'm on. This is what I've got in front of me. Um, so we got, when I say research, um, I mean day-to-day business because every single day you have an opportunity to change anything that you're doing for the positive, right? So if something is not working for you, make it work or, you know, leave it alone for right now, work on the things that are working so that you can feel more uplifting um, about what you are accomplishing. So when we set out to make our own oils, you know, we had to figure out you know, some of the best carrier oils out there. We had to figure out which companies were tracing their base materials, which companies that were doing HPLC testing were, also asking all of those companies that were sending in oil for a sample of their base oil so that they had a placebo to run it through to make sure that the machine was always calibrated for instead of just sending it off to a laboratory that's brand new and they run an HPLC machine through 500 runs and they never recalibrate. Who knows what's going on? Maybe never once they've seen a base sample from uh, an individual company. So, you know, yeah, I notice. I notice a lot of people just don't know what they don't know and they and they're successful in other spaces and they come in with that same sort of mentality. But this plan is really super unique and it challenges us in ways that, you know, we don't expect until it's almost too late. And so that self or that built in industry accountability is really important where that collaboration where we say like, hey, lab have you recalibrated your machines? You know, like, where are you at with this level of compliance? Did you hear about such and such? And it becomes this collaborative effort. So I, I, I totally yeah. am vibing and I agree with exactly what you're saying. Continue. Sorry. Oh, you're, you're more than all right. I could talk forever. I could talk for hours about it because that's how much this plant means to me. That's how much, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like it's contributed to where I am today. Uh, I've never once ever looked at the use of cannabis either in a psychoactive or non-psychoactive form as being something um, 
abusive in my life. I've seen other people abuse it. Um, and I'm, I don't mean that they abuse it in the way that I see it as abuse. I mean, I abuse it in the way that you can tell through how their life is that they are abusing it. And that's, that's just a result in reality. You know, you can abuse grapes. You know, it, it happens. They're, they're fantastic little fruits and delicious. If you eat too many, you know, stomach hurts. So I, I'm just, I'm at a, a lot of these things are always going to lead back to um, sort of the strategic option to show up, right? To sue. If I got a list of things on the board, I'm staring at a list here right now because um, sort of towards the end of last year, uh, through our research and learning, we learned that having a retail store, a brick and mortar in the area, we had it, although fantastic for traffic, uh, fantastic for um, for visual stability in a community because of where it was located in the community. Um, but the ease of access to the building, just getting off the road into the parking lot, the one or two parking lots, was actually stressful. So how can I offer cannabis in an environment where just getting off the road to come visit the dispensary was, you know, stressful or pulling yeah. back on yeah. Stressful. Like to me, that was too much. So just that one thought led us, led us to the idea that, you know what, let's just serve this up as a pop-up. And then we'll do everything we can in 2020 to get involved in local farmers markets, um, throw local conventions, local events, invite other business owners to it. And not as like, hey, we're on the top of the mountain here, but as a, hey, just so you know, there's a big old hill to climb. And, you know, you guys are doing business uh, in an excellent way in your own communities. Is there a way we can work together? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's a lot of what we focus on with the hemp revolution and, you know, all of our platforms is like, everybody's running the race guys. No need to push each other into the mud. Like how can we move forward together? And there's going to be a natural process of elimination in that whole thing. I mean, naturally people aren't going to be able to keep up because of whatever their habits are, whatever, however they're confronted by their trials and tribulations. So I think that they're like right now, the industry is going through a pretty significant cleansing you know, and I think that the folks who survive that uh, sort of tsunami of compliance and everything are going to need, they're going to be tapping in. I'm already feeling the vibe change where everyone was like, yeah, we're postured to be so amazing. And we're the, you know, the bees knees of the industry and blah, blah, blah. Those same people are like, so what uh, did you say that you had somebody who could help me with, <laughs> you know, and now they're actually reaching out for help. So the community thing that you're talking about is so, so important. I have no problem. Like I discuss finances with people all the time. I discuss, um, you know, reasons like we're talking about today, reasons why we go about doing things. And I have no problem telling you that I'm the kind of person that's comfortable in the chaos. So for me, it's 95% on the table all the time. Mm. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's worth it. If, uh, if our goal of helping 25 million people through cannabis is realized by providing dollar pre-rolls to uh, a distributor who is then going to put them out, you know, for $5 a piece and he sells 10,000 of them and I get to help 10,000 people through one sale, that's how I consider it. I don't say to myself, I lost $40,000. Like, I don't look at it that way. Like, I just yeah. say to myself, man, I was lucky enough to be able to grow something package it, go through my entire process that I've worked my ass off to be able to just wake up and, and work at every day. And my business profited because of it. And I don't mean that it profited. I mean, like we made a little bit of money selling some pre-rolls and helped a whole lot of people. And I know because of that, I'll make more money tomorrow. That's okay. I don't have to make all the monies today, right? Yeah. Three days from now. Like it's, I, mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just 
just saying. One of my mentors said um, to uh, sit with the classes, you have to serve the masses. And it takes almost 10 years to get to that place where you're sitting truly comfortable with your classes. Absolutely right. Yeah. So it, it's it's very interesting to watch. I mean, the people that I that are advising me are folks who have taken multiple complete companies public. They're some of the largest, you know, finance financial providers for the industry. Um, you know, to the tune of hundred, um, you know, with the in the hundreds of millions, um, close to billions, is what they're putting into this thing. And so they're talking to me about how to build the business and, and what's necessary. And, you know, the trials and tribulations that come along with building a regular business, let alone one that requires you to put every single thing on the line as a a risk factor to grow. What was that? You're really good at not name dropping. Yeah. (laughs) The same. And it's incredible because my favorite are the kind of guys that started the same way I did. Yeah either by having a small plot of land and just running it and being successful at it and moving from, you know, their hometown and getting into an area that was, you know, thriving and budding, you know, no pun intended with the, with the industry and, and, you know, getting involved in licensing. Right. And then those guys eventually got involved with bigger guys and the series a funding for buildings and huge grows. And now then they exit, right. And then they're running hedge funds for large scale investment in the cannabis space. And they moved to Toronto to, you know, take it multinational and trade on the Canadian exchange. Do you ever think about that? Can you imagine, you know, have somebody like that? And I'm sure we've, we know similar people that do that. It's just, that's the scale of the game today. It's not, you know, running 50 pounds across the country, you know, getting from <laughs> California, you know, upcharging a thousand when it hits Chicago and another bang, you know, <laughs> like that's. Like, I don't know anything about that. I've never done it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm that's I watched a couple of good movies though. Blow was a really great movie where I saw a lot of that stuff yeah, happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, I have to ask you this because everybody has their own perspective. We've we've alluded to the trials and tribulations that come along with the industry. I have a lot of budding entrepreneurs and established business owners who are listening to this segment of our show, and a lot of the feedback that I get is like wow, I had no idea that that's what these companies are facing from the business owners who are already in business. They're like, they're like, ah, yes, me too. It feels good to be able to relate to knowing that somebody else is having these same struggles. I'd love to hear from you. What have been, um, you know, two or three of the biggest challenges they can be past or current. Um, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you have had to overcome or that you're working to overcome right now in order to stay relevant in a crowded marketplace or to, you know, be the cream of the crop and, and really rise to the top? That's a great question. Um, I'm just doing me, Sonia. I really am. Um, I read a lot of things on timelines on social media. Um, I really, uh, do my absolute best to steer clear of any nonsense, although I only get involved in trolling when you know, I feel really good, like I've done enough today. I can actually take some time to dedicate to trolling. Um, no, no, no. In all actuality, um, the things that are the worst are explaining to people how the can of business is different than every other type of business currently on the market. And that means you can be great uh, at marketing. You can be great at uh, social media management, you've been great at all these things. 
And Preach. every single one of them has got this hiccup as soon as you throw the word cannabis behind. And I mean cannabis in all forms. Cannabis sativa L, any genus that you're speaking, industrial hemp, medical marijuana, whatever it is, concentrates, doesn't matter. It's all got a twist to it. You know, you want to, and you know, the next thing people would always say is, you know, well, what do you do about banking? What do you do about this and that? Well, it's not just banking. It's how do you do employee payroll taxes? Where do you throw the cash for that? Because if you start throwing cash at the federal government or you start putting it all on paper legally ahead of time and they shut down your tax account and, you know, you don't have an escrow set up to pay your employees, then how are they going to get paid out at the end of the year? Uh, you know, because you got to go to the tax office in the first three weeks of the, any given year and drop off a cashier's check, hopefully on an account that you're ready to just allow to be shut down after it gets processed through as acceptable taxes. So never mind just banks on getting your online accounts processed. Um, it's, well, you can't have a PayPal. And if you can't have a PayPal, well, then you can't buy just stuff on eBay regularly for yourself if you want to just do any sort of business on eBay. And I don't mean Canada business. I mean, just go shopping for something. You know, I want a, a part for my car or something like I can't buy it because I don't have a PayPal account that isn't somehow attached to a bank account that got shut down. So the ins and outs of it all are just, it has to do with cannabis. It has to do with the stigma surrounding cannabis and just how long it's been since people could even conceive that there are people like you and people like me out there that operate on a daily basis by using cannabis and we operate at a very high level. And without being too condescending in how you compare operating levels of one individual to another, I fucking function a lot higher than a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I smoke a lot of weed. So I'm not quite <laughs> sure why you can continue to eat. If, I, if you just studied me as research to, uh, you know, the negative or positive effects of cannabis, be like, yeah, that's Brandon being negative. He smoked too much. It's 1130 at night. He's got a gallon of chocolate milk next to him and some cookies. <laughs> might be abusing cannabis right now. But 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, my back hurts because we put, you know, an hour and a half in at the gym the night before and we ran around, you know, driving 250 miles to get that machinery to get some... Yeah, you know what? I smoked in the morning and all that pain is gone and everything's gone and my mind is clear and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have conversations like this with people and continue to let, let, under people, let people understand. When I say let, I mean, I could keep this all here and never tell you anything, and I can still work just as diligent. But I'm I'm pleased and humbled to be able to even be open to conversations like this. Wow, I'm fucking stoned. Yeah, I love I love how you position it because you most of the time I hear like the surface surface level challenge of being like, uh, oh, merchant processing or banking has been or marketing and advertising. But what I hear you saying is like having to get into the nuances and really having an educated person who can, you know, connect and collaborate with you, understanding the ins and outs of what it actually takes to be effective in banking or processing payments, um, you know, marketing effectively and, and connecting and collaborating or converting clientele and traffic. I mean, I come across this all the time because we have been so effective in the online marketing space. Can't say that I've been as effective. I've, I've never tried the offline, you know, but online I'm crushing it and we're, huh? You mean B2B, like going to business, business or business? To yeah. Business to business offline has not really been something that I've focused on in the last, you know, eight years or whatever. When I was running my bit brick and mortar business, obviously we were, you know, we sold out a wholesale the first day, like all, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So offline stuff, 
sure, I could probably crush it, but I just haven't focused my attention there. I used to work with the Paul Mitchell company, Paul Mitchell organization as an educator. And I used to take like mom and pop shops and turn them into Paul Mitchell culture salon. So I know that I would thrive there, but my time and attention has been focused on developing the online distribution space for cannabis and hemp, starting with education and now moving into moving actual units of products. And because we're such a big influencer in the marketplace, we attract a lot of other influencers who want to learn to do what we do the way that we do it. So we're able to help a lot of brands get connected directly with ambassadors who can effectively move units through their communities. And now we're using the voice of the people to bring the product to the people. Mm-hmm. And it's like for, uh, for us, by us, for you, by us type of energy, you know, and it's really super cool to see because it's, it's a very collaborative effort with the company and the ambassador to make sure that these units are moving in the ecosystem. But a lot of big brand name marketing agencies don't know that. And they try and use real world tactics in this, you know, new age industry that don't work. And a lot of companies are spending time and money on people and projects that are not going to give them a return. And it's really super frustrating um, for people like myself who are actually effectively marketing and we don't bullshit and we have a history with the, with the plant and the industry. It's really frustrating to see people's LinkedIn and Facebook profiles change to like CBD marketing expert. And I'm like, no, you're not, my friend. <laughs> Yesterday, you were selling home business opportunities. Yeah, yeah, mortgage brokers, stuff like that. I think. Yeah, that's- totally, oh, totally. Yeah. Okay, well, what, let me ask you a different question because I think that this is really important, and you're offering a, a unique perspective here. Um, in your opinion, while there are many budding entrepreneurs who want to take advantage of the can of boom, right? This is a booming industry. We have a reputation for being a cash rich industry. And I think that there's a lot of fallacy or falsehood that is communicated through mass media because we, we have such a quote unquote cash rich industry. My question for you is what would be some key pieces of advice that you would offer a quote unquote budding entrepreneur who's looking at the market, wants to get involved, but may not know what is ahead of him. We're a few miles down the road and can offer some perspective. So in this segment, we call the words of wisdom. I want to hear directly from you. What would be some key pieces of advice that you would offer the budding entrepreneur, people who are wanting to get started here and need to know like what some key considerations or some um, shortcuts to success would be uh, while getting involved here? Rad question. Keep your ego in check. That's all I got. And I mean, I mean it in the most humble way possible. I have an ego. My ego is trapped in this bubble right here around me. You guys can't see it. It's my own little universe. And every time I get an opportunity, somebody welcomes the opportunity, my universe is uh, able to ripple through theirs. And I think that's really the best advice I can ever give anybody is that stay in control of your bubble, stay in control of your ego, stay in, stay in control of the plan. Because as, if you plan in here by taking in all the experiences, all the things you're able to read, all the people you're able to talk to, you'll, be, you'll know what you're capable of. You'll know what you're asking your, of yourself. You'll, you'll know if you're up to the challenge. And the only person you'll have to blame if you're not is yourself. So I think a lot of that words of wisdom, they always go back to just showing up. Like if, if Cal and I are 
talking to each other, figuring out a plan. You know, I got I to gotta be willing to know what's an absolute no and, you know, what the possibilities are in between the absolute yes, you know, to the absolute yes. And Brandon, do this. This is a yes. This is a yes. This is a yes. All right, cool. You know, we figure something out. We really, really work at it. And then we hold ourselves accountable for the system that we put in place. If it doesn't work, we have to go back and look at the system. We can't go move on to the next system and try to put something new in place if the old system is broken. The old system needs more people to maintain it. If it needs something new and innovative to it to make it, you know, groundbreaking. Um, and I think that's the fun part about, you know, the research I was mentioning. So for me, the words of wisdom, wisdom would be keep your ego in check, be willing to hold yourself accountable, um, you know, for the things that you ask for, because, you know, bullets fly, you know, bullets fly in the wild west, right? And that's what the green rush is right now. So, you know, you could easily get taken out by one. You could easily shoot in the direction and hit someone you don't you know think you're going to be hitting um there's a lot of people in this industry that are connected you know on a level for for decades um and they're trying to do a lot of the same things too I, you know you see not, not to get off topic but you see a lot of uh you know growers and communities out in the west um that have moved into the legal hemp space because um the rec uh, the recreational medicinal cannabis space has been abused by um legislation you know i mean california was an amazing market for many years and prop two's 15 to 64 and then 2200 licenses and the price of cannabis crashes and people wonder why extractors you know are able to take you know a half and half tolling agreements even you know in the first month to two months of uh legal cannabis or i'm sorry full-fledged legalization in california i mean you had 400 a pound for medical for almost six months and processors were able to buy it up left and right, you know, put their extraction in stores and then wait until licenses opened up in other states and set up the same process with the same machines that they had running in those states in new states and then license out their name to themselves under a new entity in a new state, keep all their stockpiles here, sell it when the market comes up here and then start producing in a new state that has no market where they have one of 10 licenses and then they go sell the building that has no machines left in it in California for an escalated price on a license they paid a thousand bucks for, but attached to a building that's a million bucks, it's worth five million. So there's money everywhere, Sonia, but it's just, you know, you got to be willing to sleep at night. You got to show up. You got to ask for the right things. You got to feel good at the end of the day that knowing that you're helping the end user, that we're not building some sort of racket on the back end that just fucks everybody else over. And, you know, people keep paying an arm and a leg for medicine that, you know, for all intent, if, as long as handled appropriately, shouldn't really cost that much. It's just, you know, we got to go through these hoops right now. One of the things that has been a theme in, in your, uh, in the interview today has been showing up. That has definitely been a theme and you consistently say that. And I think that that is um, a universal rule. I was actually just having a conversation with my son about this the other day. He's, um, he's a high performing athlete. He wants to go to play college ball, uh, football. Um, he's training with a couple of retired NFL players here. And we had to have a sit down with him the other day. Um, because he, during the season, he wasn't showing up for the early morning sessions. He was, you know, he has to show up three days a week at six in the morning and, you know, do his recovery and watch film or whatever. And he didn't do it, you know, the, the, so we had to sit down and these retired NFL players who have fucking packs of ice over here and like, you know, scheduled surgeries to rebuild their fucking craniums and like all this crazy stuff. They sat down and they were like, do you really want to play ball? Yeah. And, and 
my son was like, yeah, yeah, I really want to play ball. And they were like, yeah, there's a hundred percent chance that you're going to end up injured and having to rebuild a body part and having to, you know, do things that you're never going to want to do. And you want to know why only 3% of the people who apply to play football at a competitive level make it. And he was like, because they're strong, because they're big, because they're this, because they're that, uh, you know, it's because they're black or like whatever the fucking reason was, it was anything except for the one that they gave him. And they were like, you know what Put, puts people like me and this guy over here on the team? The fact that we show up when nobody else does. And showing up is half the trick. And then the second half of that is how you show up. And so I will piggyback off of what you're saying with the words of wisdom to say that how you do what you do is everything. And showing up is the hardest part, but showing up in a way that builds the reputation for longevity is something completely different. And integrity is something that's being lost faster than the quality of product in this industry. With more newbies, we're compromising quality every single day. The highest leverage that somebody has in this industry right now is their history and knowledge of working with this plant when it wasn't mainstream and how they can apply their knowledge and expertise to a new age marketplace and maintain quality all the way through. However, in this process, we have seen an incredible drop off of the integrity of person back in the day and still even today, this entire industry is all about who you know. Back in the day, you had to know a guy who knew a guy to get your bag, right? If you wanted the perps, if you wanted the rapper's weed, you had to know a guy who knew a guy who was growing that shit in the middle of downtown or out in the Humboldt Hills. And it was really sad to me to see the cannabis culture of my past because I'm from Mendocino and Northern California, the cannabis culture of my past, which was the Straganonas and the, and the, you know, the witches of the woodlands who were making and conjuring all of these incredible medicines and growing the most beautiful craft cannabis and Korean natural farming and brewing their own teas and doing all of this cool stuff. That cannabis culture is dying. And now the conversation that we're hearing and seeing is about how we can dry farm and not use the world's resources and, you know, how we can create the highest quality product for the lowest cost so that we can stay competitive with a marketplace that doesn't respect the expertise. And that's how we're showing up right now. And the end user is the one that suffers. I know because I'm talking to them every single day. They're saying to me, why does this product work for only so long, but then it stops working? How come I can't find something that is consistently available for me or whatever the complaint is? So I will bring it back to how you do one thing is how you do everything. This is a relationship-based business. So when you come into the space, be prepared to leverage your network because that will be your net worth when it comes to your word, your integrity, and your trust value. Can people trust you in this industry? The final thing that I will say as a piece of the word of wisdom is... Focus on the quality of person rather than the quality of product. Know what problem you want to solve for what person and produce your product from there. Everyone is always thinking about, oh, I want to have a tincture. I want to have a lotion. I want to have a vape. I want to have a this. Fuck the product. 
Think about the person that you want to serve and what problem you want to solve for them. And the product will be a result of the problem that you want to solve for the person. And make sure that anything and everything that you do is because of the passion that you have to solve that problem for that person, not because you want the profitability. Profitability is the direct result of the value that you're bringing into the marketplace and the leverage that you have to bring that value. And the marketplace will respond with revenue. So that is my, those are my pieces of wisdom for you guys. How you do one thing is how you do everything. This is a relationship-based business and it's a very small community of people. So if you don't do it right, you're going to get pushed out before you get pulled in. I couldn't agree more. Could not, I couldn't agree anymore. There's always <laughs> problems to solve, right? Instead of making more, find solutions. Yes. Um, there's one thing to be said about being com- or staying competitive by adopting industry standards, um, you know, attempt to meet and exceed them uh, in an attempt to set, you know, regulatory standards um, and not just, you know, the fly by night standards that, that do exist in, in, in certain businesses. And, and even in my own, you know, I must be 100% transparent. That's what research has always been to us. It's yeah. the idea of, okay, what would somebody do in, if they were at home? Okay, this is probably what they do. Well, how clean is it? Well, we can test how clean it is, you know, through laboratory standards. Okay, cool. So let's start there. Let's make a home setup. Let's do it that way. All right, let's make one all of stainless steel at home. Let's move one into a CGMP facility and see how that works. Let's do the same setup in a lab facility with positive ion filtration. Let's see what the cost difference is and what the quality difference is. And you'll find a happy medium. You know, we have. And it's only taken us, you know, almost little under two years, a little under two years that we've been processing online that Callie and I have moved ourselves into a CJLP, um, FDA compliant, you know, laboratory space. Um, Amazing. Love that. Right. And we are, you know, we're, uh, the building is working on its 170252005 certification. Um, it's already uh, ISO compliant 9,000. It's CGMP. Oh, great. We, we do on-site H, uh, HPLC and send out for third-party tests for everything that we do. Amazing. Um, and it's you guys should send me some products so I can do an unboxing and review. I love doing that stuff. And and there's always folks who are like, hey, what's the best product? Or can do you know a product in my area? We're we're crazy on compliance. We work really closely with the FDA. So we're back. We're pulling back. Like as much as I was telling you about that working into that, you know, it's that's the 2020 site. Right. That's the that's the research. That's the hindsight for last year. So telling entrepreneurs where they should be. Well, I hope they get involved with people like you. I hope somehow that this reaches them and they can reach out to, to you and you can ask if there's anything I can do to help in certain situations if you think I can. Um, because I don't always go looking um, for new things like that because we're dialing in the old things. 2019 as a first year pilot research program was Callie and I spending a lot of money figuring out how to make sure that we do it right. And we tried to push people really, really hard to see what level of commitment that they had um, because commitment is tied to accountability, right? Um, I think one of, the, one of my favorite books, uh, you mentioned in like a, a quick note, you know, some books, um, and one of them does mention it's uh, The Five uh, Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, and it's by Patrick, I think, Lencioni. And it's a business fable and it's a story about um, how the absence or is it the absence of trust, the fear of conflict, the lack of commitment, the avoidance of accountability, and your attention to the results are what really can fundamentally be 
any story you want it to be. That, that business fable is just somebody else describing what the absolute dream is or the definition is by context of those five values. So give your life some value, put some values to the business, you know, and hold yourself accountable for all the trials and the research that you've done and move forward with, you know, whatever dream that you have, just, you know, don't spend as much money on the research. If you already know, you know, there's something to learn from the old research. Don't, you know, run uphill by yourself carrying a 50 pound bag. If it's easier to do with five other people, you know, 10 pounds at a time. Um, and that's really what this is. It's a, it's a business right now that's sort of in the middle of the stigma of marijuana somehow cross-correlating to the new CBD market. And, um, you know, luckily there hasn't been so much oversight that a, a lot of companies maybe are out there able to slightly educate their community, whether tainted by MLM, um, you know, tendencies or like, um, you know, that sales, you know, up, you know, the upsell aspect of it, you know, so it's, you just really, you got to make the dream, whatever it is you want to do. And, and the dream is real. If the dream is pure and you got a good heart about it, you know, you'll get to the end. Love it. Love it. Well, those are some excellent final words, my friend, where can folks find you if they're interested in, um, working with you guys or checking out your products or want to find out more about what you're doing? <laughs> so back in the time when I had to learn, uh, you know, how to build websites cause we were, you know, just getting in the business, didn't have a ton of money to, to outsource. We were just generating revenue. I figured out how to build some websites. I never used funnels or anything like that, but I try to make shift some, but <laughs> you can currently find uh Calbra at K A L B R A.com. Um, if you punch that in there, it'll forward you to Calbra CBD.com. Um, you know, we use a Shopify background. We didn't go with the WooCommerce method, you know, a little customized theme. It's fun. It, it shops well. Um, we're currently sort of revamping it as we, uh, uh, implement some of the new things that we're able to offer um, for 2020. Um, a lot of shelf stability testing and stuff like that inside the lab, so that we're able to um, put up there. So cool, you know. Watch out for some of those changes, but we do farm consulting as well. If you're interested in small and large grows, because some of us definitely are, uh, you know, cultivators. Some of us might be a little familiar. Grow cannabis. <laughs> I don't know about you, but somebody around here. <laughs> <laughs> I learned Sonia is that I was I've been pleased enough to know like master growers, you know, growers that grow cannabis cup winning strains and and I'm like, yo, dude, teach me about your soil. And I'm just a sponge for for knowledge. So I learn a little of everything and a lot of nothing. Hire people that are smarter than you. That's the only thing I know how to do. Dude, dude, that's a whole nother topic. That's like one of my absolute favorites is team building in the cannabis industry. We have to have another conversation about that. I'm so grateful for our time that we have spent here together. I really want to continue to follow your journey. Would love to have Cal on the show. I think, I think that this is, um, I think that you guys are just amazing. I've been really excited to learn more about you guys. For those of you guys who are tuning in, um, make sure that you check out all of the links around this video as well as the show notes, highlights, mentionables, the tweetables that are in here. Get familiar. We do this for you guys as a community service. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you. Um, and want to continue to follow your journey into 2020. Please keep me as an ace in your pocket. Happy to help with whatever I can and definitely want to continue to bring um, positive attention to what you guys are doing and how you guys are building. So thank you for being on the show today. And for those of you guys who are tuning in with us, 
Thank you so much for being a part of this incredible community. When you like and share content just like this, you are a part of us being able to make a massive impact in the world. We are quite literally moving the needle of legalization because you like and share content just like this. It is our mission to help empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from or otherwise take care, taking care of this beautiful gift of life. Come down, girlfriend, so we can see your beautiful face. Hi, mama. You're looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for. Check us out at medicalsecrets.com. We are happy to help. And if you're a budding entrepreneur, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for resources, relationships, tips and tricks on how you can overcome the many challenging roadblocks that you will be confronted with in this incredible industry. For the change makers out there, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world. I'm your hostess with the mostest, and this is the Revolution podcast. We'll see you on our next show. Hi, Cal. My God, you're so beautiful. No, right? (laughs) Friend, you scored. I'm just saying, you leveled up on that one. (laughs) See you guys on the next show. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.